Hey, welcome to another episode of the Purple and Bold podcast from the Daily News Record. I'm uh, Shane Metlin here with Noah Fleischman. We're your JMU beat writers at the DNR here to talk some JMU sports. And specifically today, we're going to dive headfirst into the new Sunbelt JMU football schedule. They have their first FBS schedule on the books, they know who they're playing, when they're playing, assuming everything holds up with uh, the Sun Belt schedule because it differs from the Conference USA schedule, which also includes uh, Marshall, O'Dominion, and Southern Miss. We can, we'll do a quick, quick recap of that. If you really want to get into that whole thing, go listen to our previous two episodes. We got pretty in-depth in into what's going on with Conference USA and the Sun Belt. But essentially, Conference USA does not want to let Marshall ODU and Southern Miss leave this season. They say they are leaving. Now, both conferences have released their football schedule for 2022, including those three teams. I think everybody basically assumes that the Sun Belt's going to win this battle and that these teams will play a Sun Belt schedule and play games against James Madison this fall. And so that's kind of what we're going to go with here as we look at each game 11 games, six at home for JMU. Uh, pretty pretty impressive slate that they've got put together. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be exciting for fans to see some of these teams coming to Bridgeport Stadium. And, um, yeah, I think just everything you expect from a team moving from FCS to FBS and joining a league, the caliber of the Sun Belt. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a definitely a tough schedule for them, especially on the second half of the year, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, I mean, I think this is what they wanted, and they're finally getting it, get a first couple games will a little help them tune up for some about play but i think it's gonna be exciting and i think that bridge fourth stadium especially in that opening game which could be a night we don't know that that those first two games will get set over the summer the times at least but i think that all of them will be pretty packed and everyone's gonna be ready to go for some fps football yeah i think other than i think a lot of people maybe anticipated possibly having a you know thanksgiving weekend rivalry with odu going forward that's not going to be the case this year i don't know what's going to happen years down the line as everything gets kind of settled in you know maybe that's something they can make a tradition but um other than that you know you you open with the middle tennessee state a pretty solid fbs opponent at home you open with that you've got home games against marshall um and coastal carolina who are you know obviously established programs you get marshall in here to harrisonburg for homecoming i imagine that atmosphere has got to be Pretty insane. You, you take the Middle Tennessee State game, going to be the opener, the first FBS game, um, and then you get Marshall at home for homecoming. That's two just absolutely guaranteed nuthouse weekends in Harrisonburg that, you know, the town's going to be on fire probably by the end of that. Yeah, I even throw in the final game of the year with Coastal Carolina coming. I think those two games probably have the, the biggest the biggest crowd and biggest atmosphere for sure. Yeah, but I mean, you, you factor in just what homecoming has looked like at JMU the last few, you know, several years when they're playing teams like Campbell for homecoming. You got Marshall coming in, which is you know, you know, a name brand program, a, a program that's been pretty solid here recently, and basically, you know, one of the teams that when JMU saw what the new Sun Belt was going to look like. They say, hey, we've got natural rivalries with ODU and Marshall here, you know, being here on the border of West Virginia. You know, it's a quick, fairly quick drive down 64. It's, you know, that's a natural rivalry. That's going to develop into something and get them in here on homecoming weekend the first year. I think I, I'm just anticipating, you know, 
I, I don't know. Get, get your hotel room now for this weekend, for that weekend, because it's, you know, you, you might be staying in Winchester or, you know, in West Virginia. If you want to try to like, you know, come to Harrisonburg for that weekend, it's going to be, it's going to be nuts. So yeah, I guess let's, so we're not here all day. Let's just go dive right into this game by game. Um, first, I, I'll run down the list of schedule. They open with middle Tennessee state at home on September 3rd. They've got Norfolk state at home the next weekend. Then they're at Appalachian state on September 24th. They begin October at home against Texas state, get Arkansas state in here. Another Sunbelt game, another Sunbelt West team coming in here. The crossovers on October 8th, you know, October 15th, they go down to Georgia Southern, like we talked about. October 22nd, homecoming weekend in Harrisonburg. Marshall, the Thundering Herd, comes to town. Then they're at Louisville early in November, at ODU. Georgia State at home on November 19th. And then they close out their first season with Coastal Carolina at home. Uh, Challenging slate, like we've mentioned, it gets tougher in the back half of that schedule. It's going to be going to be really interesting to see what jmu can do against this caliber of of team from the Sun Belt. like they're not they're definitely not ducking anybody this year uh they, they do get you know maybe a couple of the easier teams from the western division but it's going to be a challenge no it's definitely gonna be a challenge i mean i saw espn one of the espn reporter put out that if you look at the sp plus metric looking at the different teams in the group of five the Sun Belt east is going to be the best in the group of five, division-wise. And the Sunbelt West is the worst. So that just puts it in perspective on how kind of unbalanced the Sunbelt will be next year, or at least on paper it is. I mean, it could, could change. But these are all teams that are good. And, I mean, the East is... Jamie wants to play in the FBS, and they're getting thrown right into the fire. And, I mean, you open up a Middle Tennessee State, which is definitely a game that is a toss-up either way. But I think that Jamie, the fans will be coming out for it. The players will be ready for their first FBS game, and kind of I think that'll that'll be a game that that most people will circle. And then you have Norfolk State right after. So I mean, they could start off two and zero pretty quickly. Rolling up one and one is probably also a pretty likely uh, possibility there. Yeah, you're talking about the divisions and the the difference in the rankings for the East and West, and you even got taken into account there that. Louisiana was clearly the best team in the Sun Belt they're last year, and they're in right. the West, and, in, and they're they're in the West, and they can't even bring that up yeah. quite that degree. So it's 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 unbalanced. It's it's a very balanced division. Um, you look those games in the East. Most of those games could be a pick 'em between any of those teams, and then you know the West. Louisiana clearly has been the the class of the Western division here recently. Um, we'll see if you know Arkansas State or some teams can get back to where they were until the last couple of years but um yeah right now jmu is getting into like you said probably the best division maybe not maybe not the best overall conference that that's up for debate you know the mountain west and the aac are still going to be good but the best division of you know seven teams that's you know hard to beat the uh sunbelt east at this point no, I think, honestly, when you look at the Sunbelt East and what it's got, the next few years, I think whoever comes out of the Sunbelt East to go to the, the Sunbelt title game, I think probably has got a good shot at winning just based on the gauntlet that they're going to have to go through. I mean, the team in the West probably going to have a little bit pretty of a record, but I think that the team coming out of the East, no matter who it is, um, will definitely be more, I guess, prepared in, in that sense. Yeah. All right, let's jump right into We'll go game by game here. September 3rd in Harrisonburg, Middle Tennessee State comes in for the – FBS debut of James Madison football. Um, you know, this isn't the first time Jamie's played Middle Tennessee State. Uh, it's also not technically the first 
FBS slash Division 1A home game. That's been corrected to us here, you know, fairly recently. Well, well, technic- <laughs> yeah. well technically it yeah. is the first FBS it home is, game yes. in modern era, but yeah. they have hosted games previously before the whole reshuffling. Yeah, yeah that, that was, you know, different thing in the early 80s, but um, we, we will uh, just cl- <laughs> clarify that a little bit. But, you know, it, it won't, they haven't seen anything like what they're going to see for this opening weekend with the excitement level of the JMU fans for this move, getting a team of that caliber in here. Middle Tennessee State, they're coming off 7-6, and 4-4 four and four in Conference USA. They went to the Bahamas Bowl, solid season last year. Um, and they should be a pretty good team coming into this one, um, just based on what they got coming back. Uh, you look at, um, they have you know pretty solid quarterback, Chase Cunningham, uh, Went down with an injury in late October last year, so he didn't put up huge overall numbers, but um, he was doing pretty well, and that's a team that relies on their quarterback because they're not going to run the ball that much. As a team, they had 1,600 rushing yards last year. They're going to throw the ball around. You know, Rick Stockstill's always been like that. He's got his son, Brent Stockstill, who was a star quarterback at Middle Tennessee State for four years. He's now the quarterback's coach, so the, nothing changes with Middle Tennessee State. They're throwing the ball around the field. It's going to be a challenge for kind of a new-look secondary at JMU to start this one. Yeah, I mean, JMU lost a lot of his secondary from from North Dakota State when the last took the field. I mean, it'll be an interesting test. They did bring in some transfers from, from other schools to kind of help bolster that, so it's a little bit of a more veteran group, even though they may have not all played together, which we'll see, I guess, in a few weeks during spring camp. But overall, that first game will be definitely interesting as well as, you know, JMU's got a – paid up for this game so i mean you don't want to lose a game you bought to come into bridgeforth it's definitely not a, a easy game it's not like they're playing uconn or, or something with umass or something like that so middle tennessee state even though they're not the most you know name brand school to bring in here they're definitely like not going to be a, a easy test for virginia yeah and you know the the secondary is a group that i want to kind of pay attention to during spring ball see how they're looking with the new guys new transfers into the into the roster um and so, yeah, it's interesting that they're going to really get put to the test here right away in this one. I think when you factor in what I expect the atmosphere to be or how hyped up I expect everyone associated with JMU to be, I- I'm kind of predicting a JMU win in this one, but I'm not I'm not as sold on that pick as I am some of the other picks as we go down the line here, you know. But I think I think JMU will start one and one and zero oh and have you know some pretty some pretty solid excitement if they can uh, you know slow down that offense at all. Yeah, no, I, I think they'll end up with the win as well. I mean, definitely as you said, first first FBS game, the energy will be there, the crowd will be there. Hopefully, this the hopefully the student section stays the whole the whole game. But you know, one and zero oh, I think is what they'll start off at, and you know we can we can look back at this in a few months and <laughs> take a look at it. But yeah, one and zero oh for sure. Yeah. Then we move on to September 10th, Norfolk State coming to town. Um, the Spartans, they went 6-5 and five in FCS last year. They ended with three straight losses in the MEAC. Program struggling a, a little bit. I mean, it, it's not a terrible FCS program, but not a powerhouse by any means. And they lose their dual-threat quarterback, Jawan Carter, who was you know basically their offense last year. Uh, don't have to spend a ton of time on this one. I think JMU should cruise in this one. You know, I think you and I both have them starting off two and zero at this point with those games. You know, it could easily be one and one, but you know, if they don't cruise past Norfolk State, there's going to be some issues down the line because uh, 
you know, it gets much, much tougher from there. No, I think the Norfolk State game will be what most JMU fans are used to seeing from this JMU team and kind of going in and beating up on their opponent. And that's not going to be the common theme this year for sure. And I think that that'll be a game that they definitely cruise to. And they'll be 2-0 in our book to, to start the year. Yeah, and it'll be sort of interesting just because, you know, do you have any kind of letdown of that? Because obviously it's going to be a huge buildup and a huge, huge atmosphere, huge uh, – emotional thing to play that first game then you play an fcs opponent that you should walk over knowing that you've got appalachian state after that so i mean yeah which you know is the game appalachian state is one of those teams that jmu fans and i think even if you if you talk privately to players and coaches and stuff appalachian state is one of those teams that has been kind of the target for jmu not, not so much like a target as like, you know, we're going to take these guys out, but this is like, you know, that's the bar where we could be. More we've like seen, we've, yes, the model. Yes. Like, you know, if Appalachian State can do that, you know, we can do that at that level too. And so that's going to be a big one. They, you know, early bye week for JMU, they won't play September 17th, but then September 24th, as we've been talking about, they go down to Boone, North Carolina, where they play Appalachian State. The Mountaineers, 10 and 4. In 2021, seven and one in the Sun Belt. Uh, their only regular season league loss was to Louisiana. We mentioned before uh, was ranked for a good chunk of the last year. It's a good team, good team, and good team with a really good quarterback returning for his sixth college season. Chase Bryce. Yeah, that's going to definitely be on the road in Boone, where you know it's always an incredible atmosphere down there. That's going to be. A big challenge that early in the season for JMU. Yeah, Chase Bryce, former Power 5 quarterback who, who transferred to App State and has kind of found his way there. And I mean, he's definitely going to be – we talked about a tough test in that first game. And that's going to be another test for the JMU secondary, going against a quarterback that skilled that with that much talent to kind of, you know, ex- to see really what this defense can hold up to as a whole, but definitely the secondary. But I think when you look at it, that probably will be JMU's first loss. Just going on the road for the first time in the Sun Belt, I guarantee you it's going to have a atmosphere – and Boone, that's going to be kind of crazy, knowing that Jamie's coming in, and it's going to be their first road FBS game. And I think that definitely, like, I, I think it might be closer than people may expect, but I, I think that App State probably will end up on the winning side of that one. Yeah, I mean, you look at App State last year; they've got a lot of guys coming back. They they've um, you know done pretty well in transfer portal themselves. They went ten and four last year. Two of those losses were to a really good Louisiana team. One of those losses were on the road at Miami. That's a good showing against that kind of schedule. Um, it's going to be that's going to be a challenge for JMU when you just look at what they can do. A guy like Chase Bryce, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about him a lot in the fall because he, a lot of times a guy at the Group of Five level, if he's debating whether to come back for that fifth or sixth year, it's sometimes it's because like I don't know, like maybe I've taken too much of a beating. I've already graduated school. I want to go on to something else. He's coming back because he thinks that's his best opportunity to improve his draft stock. He, he's that good. Like, you know, there's a couple guys in the Sun Belt right now who are that good that they're, they're coming back with the NFL on their mind. And uh, that's, you know, the first one they face. It's going to be, it's going to be a big challenge for JMU to go to Boone. I've got them. I've got that as a JMU loss. I've got them starting the season two and one after those first three games. So yeah, we're the same right now. Two and yeah. one. Yeah. Heading into the fourth game. Yeah. Fourth game. We're getting into October already. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Cold yeah, yeah. And they return to Harrisonburg October first to face Texas State Bobcats. Four and eight, three and five in the Sun Belt last year. 
but I don't think this team is going to necessarily resemble the one that struggled a little bit in Sunbelt play last year. They, they, they've done a lot in the off season. Um, you know, they were young, a starting quarterback last year, kind of a sophomore. They do have a running back in Calvin Hill who showed some stuff, a small shifty guy who was a freshman last year. I can see him being kind of a breakout player for Texas state this, this fall, but they went to the transfer portal to get better at quarterback. And it'll be really interesting to see the battle out there this spring and into the fall for who could be a starting quarterback. Cause they went and they got Arkansas state, another Sunbelt teams. They got his quarter, their quarterback out of the transfer portal, Lane Hatcher, uh, who had a good year for Arkansas state, even though the overall ASU struggled quite a bit. And uh, Dylan Markowitz uh, is coming in transfer from Syracuse. I imagine those two are going to battle for the starting job. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how quickly they can turn things around hitting the portal that hard. Um, but I've got this one as a JMU win, especially because it's early in the season, relatively early in the season. You know, I think JMU is potentially going to be a little bit more established in what they want to do than Texas State bringing in so many new guys, especially at a position that important. JMU is bringing in a transfer quarterback too, but I think. I think that that situation should probably be pretty much settled by the end of spring. If it's not, you know, really already that uh, Todd Santos more than likely going to be the starting quarterback. It, it, it's not clear who's going to start quarterback for Texas state. And I think, you know, that's something you want to have kind of cleared up early as early as possible. You know, I think Jamie will have that pretty, that made by the spring game. And after that, but Todd Santos is definitely the, the, uh, the leading candidate for the starting job at JMU, but definitely, Texas State, and we'll talk about Arkansas State in a minute, but those are two schools that Jamie got from the West, and probably they lucked out and got some teams that aren't the aren't the hardest teams out of the West. I mean, you, you could have gotten Louisiana or Troy or someone who's an up-and-coming program like Troy, but I think that they do take the win, and what did it make them, 3-1? and one? That's what I have them, 3-1 and one after four games uh, with a victory against Texas State. That's, that's my prediction for that point in the season. And then they get their other... Western opponent coming in to Harrisonburg, October eighth next week. Arkansas State visits. And no, that's a away game. It oh, should oh, be okay. at, at Jonesboro okay. because you gotta go. Okay, to the well then I wrote that down wrong, so oh, we'll go on. with that. Hit. All right, but this is why we do it together, so we can uh, cover each other's <laughs> tracks here. Yeah, yes. they go to Jonesboro, which is probably yes. the, the farthest road trip they'll go on, and yes. definitely the only one you really can't drive to. Yes, yeah, you're right. I did actually look into the travel already so i just uh yeah it looks like i didn't have it written down correctly <laughs> but either way we're looking at arkansas state program that at one point was kind of the premier sunbelt program for a while they were winning conference titles they were replacing coach after coach after they got poached by big time programs guys moving on to the likes of boise state and power five programs and they've been down, and they've got you know a big name coach there right now in Bush Jones, but he's he's been struggling. They went two and ten last year, only won one Sun Belt game, and as we just mentioned, they lose. It was probably their best player last year, Lane Hatcher, putting up some big numbers at quarterback. Leaves for another Sun Belt West team, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do. I think you know they struggled so much last year, but they were pretty respectable throwing the ball. Um, you know, Hatcher uh, threw for almost 2,500 yards, completed 60% of his passes, 19 TDs. Uh, he did throw some interceptions, but 
doesn't seem like he was the problem. And now, where do they go for quarterback? They, you know, had a junior named James Blackman who played a little bit last year, did okay, um, but they're gonna, you know, have to find somebody who can line up under center for them. And you know, it just seems like a program that's not trending in the right direction. I think this is a JMU win. Um, I think you know, if Arkansas State doesn't turn it around, Bush Jones might not be there much longer. You know. Right now, I've got Jamie winning this one, starting out four and one. Pre- pretty impressive start, but as we've mentioned before, things are going to get get much tougher. But like, yeah, right now, I've got them uh, looking pretty good. Yeah, I'm giving them a win too. And I mean, when you look at this, Jamie has an Arkansas State transfer, and Jarius Ramey is going to be probably one of the, the safeties back there, either starting or rotating in. Uh, and I think that that game will mean a lot to him, especially just going in back to where he he spent his beginning part of his college career, but. Overall, I think JMU takes this one, starts off 4-1. and one, But as we said, it's a, the schedule gets turned up a notch right after this road trip. Yeah, I don't know what that says about you know Arkansas State. They have so many guys, key players, that are going to p- be playing against them this year. Like I don't know what it says about, you know, it, it happens. You know, we see some Marshall guys at JMU now and stuff. Um, but, you know, to lose some of their key players within the conference, you know, it's not like they're moving up because they've got an opportunity to go play at Oklahoma or something. It's, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like a great situation at Arkansas State right now, and that should be a JMU win. Hey, now we're getting to the point where I think, you know, we might start differing a little bit. I think, you know, the predictions there were, were fairly obvious to make here for the first first few games, but we get to the middle of October. JMU go down to Georgia Southern. Will they'll face a, another team that's looking a lot different than they have in the past with Clay Helton taking over at Georgia Southern, the former USC coach. They're coming off a three and nine season where they won two games in the Sun Belt. Um, but it's a program with a lot of pride, a lot of tradition, but they're kind of going away from that tradition where they've been an option football team. We know not always strictly triple option army style, but they've had various, various, various incarnations of option football throughout the years with different coaching staffs kind of going away from that bringing in a west coast pro style type of guy to statesboro georgia be interesting to see how that all works out although it seems like there's a lot of excitement down there right now for the new regime at georgia southern just how quickly they can kind of turn it around i'm not sure Uh, i guess we'll we'll see what clay helton can do down there no i think That'll be kind of interesting to see that. And by this point in the year when Jamie goes there, it'll be kind of known whether or not it's working and whether or not how effective they are and how good they are. But when I looked at this game, I was like, this is definitely going to be an interesting game for Jamie. Another road game, so their third Sunbelt road game, second in a row. And I think it's going to be a game that Georgia Southern probably ends up taking. I know that Jamie fans look at Georgia Southern and may think, like, well, it's, it's not really that good of a team, but... I think if they get it turned around in the way that they, their fans and everyone down there is expecting it to, then I think they'll be a really dangerous team kind of in their their, their transition process. And for JMU, first year in the FBS, it's not going to be all pretty. And I, I don't I think it's going to be close, but I, I think they probably lose by, by a score. Okay, yeah, I've got this as a JMU win. I've got JMU starting off the season 5-1, and one, <laughs> looking pretty good. I think everybody's going to be riding pretty high. And, you know, just, just looking at what JMU's got coming back, the veteran guys, even where they're replacing some people that they lost, they brought in veteran transfers. I expect JMU to be ready for this transition, ready for this season. But like as as we've said, the first half of the schedule is 
much easier than the second half, really, it looks like. And so I've got them starting off 5-1 and one and really probably having people in Harrisonburg really excited about things. But it doesn't get any easier from there, as we, we mentioned. October 22nd, homecoming weekend, Marshall at JMU. Marshall's coming off a 7-6 and six season where they went 5-3 and three in Conference USA. Uh, yeah, like we said, they didn't, they didn't go with a Campbell for homecoming. You know, they didn't schedule the guaranteed win for homecoming like, you know, you see some teams want to do. Um, no, instead it's going to be, like, probably the hottest ticket that Jamie has seen in a long time, if not ever. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the secondary market for those tickets looks like because, um, you know, a 25,000-seat stadium – they could probably sell 40,000 tickets for this game, I would guess. And, you know, it, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what Marshall does because, you know, we talk about all these teams. We talk about two things repeatedly. We talk about quarterbacks. We talk about the transfer portal. And with Marshall, you got to talk about both because they lose Grant Wells. He's transferring to Virginia Tech after a really outstanding season there at Marshall last year. But they bring in Henry Columbi, who has played a lot for Texas Tech the last two years. Um, so is that upgrade, downgrade at quarterback? I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see because, uh, you know, Wells, like I said, he's been outstanding for Marshall here the last couple of years, especially last year. Columbi has has done okay at Texas Tech. What can he do in the Sun Belt? I think he might be able to do better. I mean, Texas Tech playing in Big 12, which obviously Big 12 doesn't really play defense that much. But, you know, um, I, I think that at this level, if he can kind of maintain the same stop, same level of play he had at Texas Tech, he might be able to find a little bit more success at the Sun Belt level, even though it's not FCS or anything like that. He's not going to CAA where he'd probably, you know, tear it up. But obviously, I think he'll find a little bit more success there. And when you look at this Marshall game, Marshall's going to be a great team coming in, and, and JMU's going to have homecoming big crowd i think i'm going to take probably this might be you know the most hot take of the day but i'm going to take jmu to beat the thundering herd in harrisonburg for their fifth win so they go five and two at this point okay i've got them at five and two at this point too because i have them losing to marshall at home on hair <laughs> on homecoming probably a close game but you know one guy we haven't mentioned about marshall yet is also coming into the t- transfer portal is and Kalon Laborne, he's a Virginia kid who was a five-star recruit running back coming out of Virginia Beach and started his career at Florida State, where then he was later dismissed from the team for reasons I'm not 100% sure on. Um, but now he's you know landed at Marshall in the portal. That's a guy who you know could probably do some big things in the Sun Belt. I think if he's you know got if he's got his issues worked out and is ready to play, that that's going to be a big big time addition for Marshall. Um, yeah, I think. I've got this one as a loss, and we both have uh, JMU at five and two at this point. Uh, don't have a, exactly the same path of getting there, but uh, that, that's where that's where we both have them at this point. No, yeah, and I mean one thing to note is JMU's got a Marshall transfer, Jamari yeah. Edwards. He's going to be mm-hmm. a guy on the defensive line. He's he was a big contributor for them the past couple of years and came the mark. I heard he he entered the transfer portal looking for a bigger opportunity and kind of I guess the Power Five route didn't didn't really come through, so he ended up like. Two days into the spring semester, enrolling at JMU and in, in his in his year on campus, but I think he'll be a, definitely a, an impact maker, kind of having to replace the Mike Green kind of role of anchoring that defensive line. Yeah, yeah, that that'll be a that'll be an interesting trend throughout the season as you know transfer rules get laxer and laxer 
um, across the country, just seeing all these guys playing against their former team. So it's going to happen so much throughout the Sun Belt <laughs> this year. It'll, it'll be to the point where it's not even hardly a story. <laughs> like no. to, to some degree, like that, you know, it used to be like such a huge deal if you ever played against your old team. Um, it's going to happen a lot more here um, in a lot of sports, but you know, football, football especially we're talking about today. So then. The next week, November 5th, day, JMU heads to Louisville. This game has been on the schedule for quite a while. It was one of the ones that they knew they were playing, even when they didn't know who else they were going to play. They didn't have any idea what the Sun Belt schedule was going to look like. Uh, they're going to play the ACC team. Louisville's coming off 6-7, and 4-4. Four and four. They were pretty average for a Power 5 team last year. But they have a really pretty incredible quarterback in Malik Cunningham. 3,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing last year. They got some other, you know, good skill position guys. Jalen Mitchell's a really good running back to kind of, you know, give them a change of pace there without uh, Cunningham have to do everything. But to me, like, you, you slow down Lee Cunningham, you've got a shot to beat Louisville. It doesn't really matter who you are. Um, you know, the, the Louisville defense was prone to giving up some points in games last year. I'm looking at this as JMU. Okay, they know they're not playing for a Sun Belt title. Is this their bowl game? Yes, they're not playing for a Sun Belt title. They're not playing in a bowl game. They're playing 11 games. This is kind of their bowl game. You know, it, it happened in, in the middle of the season, November 5th, but this is kind of the bowl game for JMU. And I'm looking at this as a potential upset. I'm thinking JMU can go to Louisville and win. And, and you know, I've got them going 6-2 and two to start the season. Um, would have been bowl eligible if they were if they were able to be bowl eligible. I think you know. Will they be ranked? They could. Be I don't ranked. know. Yeah, if they do, I mean, they will gain some attention if they are six and two with a win over Louisville. At this point, It'll, they will definitely get some attention. They'll be you know kind of like the darlings of like look at these guys moving up and everything. <laughs> and you know, I could also see that you know. I can see them losing this game. I can see them losing the Middle Tennessee game that we talked about. I can see things being. You know, closer to four and four than six and two at this point. But six and two is what I'm going with as my prediction for that point in the season. And I can see them taking different routes to getting a six and two too, without beating Louisville. Um, you know, it's going to be. I feel like they're going to play a lot of competitive games that could go either way at this point. And but right now, I think you know that's when they're going to have circled on the calendar. It's when they've had circled on the calendar since before they knew they were playing in the Sun Belt. And I think that's a JMU upset. Yeah, I think it's. A- going to be a close game in Louisville, but I think the Cardinals may be a little too much to handle that week, so I think Jimmy ends up at what? Where are we at? 5-3? 5-3? Yeah, yep. You so got him 5-3. I got him 6-2. and two. Heading to the rivalry. The rivalry. <laughs> yes. Which we talk about this as a rivalry for football. And we have to note that JMU and ODU have only played twice. And because, they haven't played in like 10 years. <laughs> yes, because ODU's football te- football program is really young. They have they brought that back, you know, pretty recently. It's how quickly how quickly they kind of ascended to being a good FCS program and then making that jump to FBS. It's kind of, you know, you gotta give, you know, Bobby Wilder when he was there credit for building that program up the way he did from scratch. Um, you kind of forget that that hasn't existed that long. But JMU-ODU is a rivalry on a bigger scale, even if you take the football thing out of it. It's been a great basketball rivalry for years. You know, Sports like field hockey, where those teams were both national powers and played all the time in games that you know 
could decide national championships. The schools, it's going to turn into the same kind of rivalry in football. It's just, it's going to because the schools are extremely excited about their football programs and they've been looking forward to playing these games and this game in particular for a long time. And JMU is going to go down to Norfolk to play ODU, which is coming off a bowl game. They went six and seven last year, five and three in conference USA. And, you know, they skipped the 2020 season, which honestly, that could have been disastrous. That could have really set that program back. And the fact that Ricky Rain had them come back the next year and they got off to a bad start to the season. They were losing tons of close games early in the season. And then they closed out the regular season with five straight wins. The fact that he's got them moving in that direction is super impressive to me. I think there's a lot of momentum down there. Um, you know, they bring it in. Uh, Hayden Wolf, a Notre Dame transfer at quarterback. Or, sorry, Hayden Wolf was their quarterback last year, played pretty well. Brendan Clark is a Notre Dame transfer is coming in. I think is going to probably, um, you know, compete for that starting job. It'll be really interesting to see what they do. But I think that team's moving in the right direction. That program's moving in the right direction. I think that's going to be a tremendous rivalry down the line. And where they end up five years from now is going to be really interesting to see where these two teams are. But I think next year, ODU at home, being excited to host that game, they've got JMU's number next year. JMU, I got that as JMU loss. JMU falling to six and three in my book at this point. Um, I don't know what you think, Noah, about where, where they do it. ODU. No, I think it's going to be a packed game. I mean, we talked about what this what this series could turn into, and I think that people in Norfolk are going to be excited, and they're going to show up, and this, this stadium's going to be pretty full there for this game. And, I mean, Brennan Clark probably will end up being their starting quarterback, guy from Richmond area, played really well in high school, like player of the year and things like that. Went to Notre Dame, kind of didn't see the field. Transferred to ODU. I think he'll do well in the Sun Belt, and I think that ODU takes this one, so JMU now drops a 5-4 and four in my book, heading, I think, back home, right? Yes, they'll be at home on November 19th to face Georgia State, which um, kind of a role reversal down there in Georgia when you look at the Sun Belt, where you know Georgia Southern is kind of the traditional power. But here recently, Georgia State's been on the rise, finishing 8-5 and five last year, going 6-2 and two in the Sun Belt. Um, if not for playing in a really tough Sun Belt East division, that you know they maybe could have been you know a team that could have uh, challenged for a Sun Belt championship last year. Um, they're coming off... You know, a season where they ran the ball extremely well. You know, their dual threat quarterback, Darren Granger, he threw for 1,800 yards. It didn't throw a lot of interceptions, kind of took care of the ball through the air, but he rushed for almost 700 yards. Nobody on that team rushed for 1,000 yards, but they had a lot of guys who were in that neighborhood. And, you know, Granger, running back Tucker Gregg, those are guys coming back for a fifth year for that COVID year. That's going to be an offense that's going to really put JMU to the test. That's the kind of offense that can really wear you down you know, on the road. We're getting late into the season where JMU is making this transition. And even though their scholarship numbers are solid, it's you know still going to, I still think there's going to be some effect to that transition and adding numbers and maybe having to play some younger guys in roles for depth as they make the transition. I think that's the kind of thing that can kind of wear you down, and playing a team like this late in the season is going to be tough because it's the kind of team that can just kind of you know wear you out with their running game. I, I think it's going to be a tough one for JMU to win down there on the road in Atlanta. No, that that's at home. Yeah, I keep getting my <laughs> mixed up. Yeah, that one's at home. not at Turner Field, which yes. would have been a cool trip to go yes. next year. That would yeah. happen next year. But I think JMU 
I think they lose this one as well. So five and five. Yeah, I got them six and four. I could easily see five and five at this point, um, as uh, Noah has them. But I'll have them at six and four at this point, heading into the season finale at home against you know kind of the darlings of. You know, group of five football here the last couple of years. The the guys with the mullets, the, mullets. the guys with the cool to- teal uniforms. The mullets, you know? um, yeah, the ones that um, the the crazy offense that you know runs all kinds of you know different looks, but also looks very similar to what Bridgewater College does down the road. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, those those things that uh, you know have made you know uh, Coastal Carolina a national sensation here in the last couple of years, coming off another. Big season. They didn't win the Sun Belt, but eleven and two. They went six and two in the league. Uh, not not back to back Sun Belt championships, but a team that's you know obviously when you're talking about why the Sun Belt East is such a tough division, Coastal Carolina along with App State are at the very top of that list. Yeah, no, Coastal Carolina. Like you think of Sun Belt football, they're one of the top teams to come up. And I mean, they got their field, they got the mullets. They're a good team. They come to Bridge Fourth to end the year for JMU, and and you know JMU could be playing spoiler at this point. I don't know if Coastal Carolina is in the mix for the for somebody's title, but that could bring some added motivation. Um, but I think that Coastal Carolina takes this one. JMU finishes five and six in their first year. Yeah, I've got you know Coastal Carolina also taking this one, and JMU going six and five. I mean, you look at it. We talked we talked about pro prospect quarterbacks in this league, and we mentioned Chase Bryce. More, more, better pro prospect than Chase Bryce. It's Grayson McCall. I mean, this is a guy who we're going to see in the NFL at some point. You know, even if it's in a you know backup role or something. This is a guy who is looking at you know being drafted. Um, he's just played two seasons, already thrown for over five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns. He's just you know he's going to be a guy. We we talked about putting him to the test early on with with a new secondary yeah. they're going to be putting the test at the end of the season too um can jmu put up some points on coastal carolina that's been you know i think that's the question mark because you've lost your top receiver in anton wells but you have chris thornton and you've yeah. got the transfers so that's the question and you, i mean you're looking at also jmu being in a situation where they're going to be extremely deep at running back extremely deep extremely talented mm-hmm. at running back next year um and Will this be the same kind of Coastal Carolina defense they've been famous for here recently? Those those molded guys, a lot of them are gone. You know, you look at Silas Kelly, Telly, Teddy Gallagher. Those were like all Sun Belt type linebackers who were, you know, crazy with the hair and everything else, and you know, kind of set that, kind of gave uh, that Coastal Carolina identity that people love to talk about. Um, they're bringing in a transfer from South Carolina, Jamar Brown, who I think is going to add some depth at linebacker. But it's it's not going to be the same unit on defense that we have seen from them. But I think they're in a position where, you know, as long as that coaching staff stays in place, they're kind of you know reloading rather than rebuilding. Um, but we see, like we we talked about with Arkansas State, the teams that have been up at the top of the Sun Belt haven't necessarily stayed there. That's going to be the question with coastal carolina i think they're staying there until grayson mccall is off to the nfl but you know i I definitely have this as a loss for jmu going down i have them finishing six and five but you know we'll have a better idea of if this is the kind of 11 win coastal carolina team we've seen the last couple years or if this is you know more like a seven eight tip win team we'll have a better idea of that after you know things get going in the season but at this point i think you know coast carolina's got to look at 
one of the favorites in the Sun Belt, and it's going to be a big challenge to finish off the year for JMU. It's going to be a big challenge in the back half of that schedule, just because you know there there are really no easy games like once you get past middle of October. No, they get a, they get a tune up, and then it's like welcome to FBS football. So yeah, we'll see. But I think I was five and six. You're six and five. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I could see it going. You know. I could see anywhere between four and seven wins for JMU, like, frankly, like, being a pretty reasonable prediction. When you look at when you look at the schedule, there are so many games that I think could go either way. Um, you know, we, we've seen them, you know, we'll go back to the FCS, take a look at that. JMU was a better team than a Villanova. But you have a game where, like, your Mr. Automatic Kicker misses a couple, and all of a sudden you, you lose to that caliber team and that's the caliber team you're seeing you know that's kind of the bottom level of team that you're going to see in the Sun Belt for the most part um you know and you know teams that have struggled like Arkansas State Texas State to some degree how quickly they can turn it around with the transfer portal it's going to be like it's just you know repeating ourselves over and over again but nothing easy you're really jumping right into the challenge like you know you didn't join Conference USA <laughs> for the reason is because you wanted to play against this caliber team, and that's what you're going to see. And um, be really interesting to see how they do the first year. They're in a better position to make the transition than almost any team that has done it in history has been, just simply because of the scholarship numbers and the transfer portal and the ability to bring in guys who have played at this level before. But to do it week in, week out, we, we've seen them play really well on the road against power five teams and, you know, AAC teams like East Carolina where they've either won those games or been very competitive at places like West Virginia and NC state. But that's one week out of, you got that every week. Yeah. Yeah. It, where do they finish? The, yeah. This isn't really the FCS in the sense where Jamie used to be the team to walk in there and be the, the team that's better, the better team. And now they're going to be on the opposite end where some weeks they're going to walk in and the team on the other side of the field is going to be the, the better team and it's going to be back to back to back. So it's a matter of can Jamie prepare for it, which I think they can, but also just perform on the field and string together a few games of playing these top teams. you got to play to their level. You can't play. You can't try to coast through, I guess, an FCS game where you're going to win 55 to, to 14. Yeah, and, you know, coasting through those games not only coasting through two victory but also coasting through kind of getting a little bit of rest Keep, keeping guys you know off the field in the fourth quarter and you know things like that or just not even having to you know maybe put out maximum effort yeah. <laughs> at times um you're not going to see that but yeah it'll be it'll be fun no matter what happens i think if jmu has a winning record next season that's something to really celebrate and really look as a building block like if you can do that in a transition year, then you ought to be very competitive in that league going forward with with the infrastructure in place at JMU um, to have a successful football program. Uh, it should be should be really entertaining all the way across the board. You get to see really good quarterbacks. You get to see some you know good players. You get to see big name coaches who either have been at their schools for a while or are probably going to be at a power five program near you <laughs> soon. Um, it, it is completely different look than, you know, running through an FCS schedule and just, you know, countdown days to the playoffs where things start to get interesting. Um, it's interesting from the 
very start on September 3rd when Middle Tennessee comes to town and FCA, FBS football in Harrisonburg is a reality. And yeah, I don't know what kind of what else to say. We, we got pretty dove into this pretty, pretty headlong for not knowing exactly, you know, where teams will be after spring ball. But I think this gives you a pretty good idea, like what the, what the schedule, what, what, what to expect from JMU and their opponents this year. Um, what else, you got anything else before we get going though? Uh, I only think is we're gonna have a better understanding of what this JMU team looks like in about what's today, March second. Yes. So in month, month, a month, a month and a half, we'll have a better understanding of. By the spring game, I think we'll we'll know what this JMU team looks like. Yeah, the spring game should be. Um, yeah, I mean, when we talk about the schedule, uh, they're already talking about you know the tailgating lots and everything for the spring game. That, that, that's you know that's another sign that you're getting into the you know the big time football is like. There, there's that much anticipation for a spring game. You're expecting a big crowd, and people want to know what the team is going to look like in the uh, in, in the new era. And yeah, so we'll go ahead and wrap this one up for Noah Fleischman. I'm Shane Metlin. This has the been the Purple and Bold Podcast FBS Schedule Breakdown Edition. And thanks for listening. Okay.